0: Hello, I'm NumFanel Malloy. With the season 2 finale approaching, I would like to invite you the opportunity to submit questions, comments, and suggestions for the season 2 after show which will air on September 19th during the week of the podcast's one-year anniversary. If interested, you can send an email to rediscoveredmovies at gmail.com or a voice message on anchor.fm rdmoviespod no later than September 15th. You can ask me anything from behind-the-scenes moments to the guest features on the podcast, or you could share your favorite moments from the podcast or film suggestions for future episodes. Just remember you have until September 15th to submit your questions by email or voice message on Anchor. It's like I'm in a goddamn prison. Do you know how that feels? The long kiss goodnight is up next on Rediscovered Movies. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Rediscovered Movies. I'm your host, Nam Fanel Malloy. So today I have a special guest. She's a writer, director, and editor from Quebec, and she was previously a guest in the episode for I'm Your Man, which is available. So please welcome Corinne Rieu.
1: Hi, I'm so happy to be there again.
0: Yes, it's great to see you again uh, at the podcast. So let's go on with today's film. So we're gonna be talking about The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is a 1996 action thriller that's directed by Rennie Harlan, who's known for directing films such as Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger. The script was written by Shane Black, who's known for doing films such as The Nice Guys, The Predator, and a bunch of uh, 90s, 2000s action films. So the film stars Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson. So essentially the plot it focuses on Samantha Kane, played by Gina Davis. So she lives in Honesdale, Pennsylvania with her daughter Caitlin and her boyfriend Hal, has a teach has a job as a teacher and basically has a suburban life but when she gets into a car accident she begins to remember small parts of her previous life as a cia assassin her old chums in the chapter are now out to kill her so she enlists the help of a cheap private investigator named mitch played by samuel jackson and as samantha remembers more and more of her previous life she becomes deadlier and more resourceful while uncovering a dark conspiracy so the film was released in theaters on October 11th, 1996. It opened at ninety. Th- it opened at number three with over nine million. It was beaten by films such as *The Ghost in the Darkness* and *The First Wives' Club*. It made eighty-nine point four million dollars during its theatrical release, according to Box Office Mojo. But on Wikipedia, it says it made ninety-five point five million. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 68% critic score. So with the consensus, they say, smart, sharp-witted, and fueled by enjoyably over-the-top action. The long kiss goodnight makes up impact what it lacks in consistent aim. The audience, however, gave it 70%. The film is available to stream on Netflix and is on VOD, so check your local provider. All right, we could go on to first discovery. So, Kryn, do you want to start? Uh,
1: yeah. Um. So basically, I have to say I've never heard of the movie before you told me about it. Um, but I was really intrigued by the synopsis. I like the concept of amnesia, but sometimes it's quite overrated. So I was really curious of the way it would be brought on screen. So that was basically the first thing I Really thought about. And then I do have to say, movies before 2000, my expectations are usually not that high because, first of all, the evolution of technology and everything related to special effects, but also I feel like sometimes the dialogue are not as relatable anymore because, you know, society is not as misogynistic as before, or, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that changed. So sometimes I feel those scripts become more difficult to watch sometimes. So that was my first thinking there when I saw 1996, (laughs) but yeah, those were my expectation there. Oh, wow.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Like for me though, like, I think I, like I had the VHS tape of it growing up. So I don't remember my, initial thoughts because I was young at the time but I do remember yeah like I enjoyed it like mainly for the action scenes it was nice to see yeah like Samuel Jackson you know in that sort of role and also too with Gina Davis because it seemed like it's kind of rare at the time for like a female to be the lead for a action film and it's nice yeah we're seeing more of it now but but yeah back then I imagine it was such a big deal at the time. And I like how like the movie is kind of like self aware a bit with the material because everyone knows what they're getting into. And I appreciate Yeah, like it's a very like solid action film with a character that's not a Mary Sue type, like with a lot of mainstream films and movies of today, unfortunately, but yeah, but yeah, it's quite enjoyable to watch. And yeah, obviously, yeah, like some stuff don't age well. But other than that, it's like a fun, good time.
1: So- yeah we need to look at it in the context of the time and how society was then but of course now we look at it with today's, today's lens and we need to evaluate if it needs to be rediscovered or not
0: mm-hmm, absolutely because I was actually kind of surprised that this movie didn't do well at the time of its the actual release like probably again people were not ready for a female-led action film again I don't know there could be like reasons behind that but yeah like it seemed like this movie got a cult following afterwards Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. So we could go on to the highlights section so essentially what we liked about the film. I guess like the first aspect is uh, Christmas because this really is the kind of unconventional Christmas movie, similar to uh, Die Hard, which keeps getting debated whether or not it's a Christmas film. Like I'm on the side that it is a Christmas film because it takes place during Christmas
1: time. And I have to agree on that. It's like if it happens during Christmas, I feel like it's kind of a Christmas movie. But Mm -hmm. in my head, when you say Christmas movie, the first thing that comes to mind is like the Almark type of movies. So at the same time I'm torn, I feel the same way
0: exactly yeah because i would say like for those are kind of tired seeing the more like conventional christmas films like it's a wonderful life or charlie brown or, or something to that effect at least with this one it gives you something to look forward to that then with those typical holiday films yeah mm-hmm.
1: i i have to say like i don't know if you remember that exact scene but when Charlie is driving towards the end of the movie and there's like the radio, I don't remember going on and it's like, oh, Christmas, it's Christmas today. And I was just like, oh, I totally forgot about that. This is not a normal (laughs)
0: Christmas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, speaking of Charlie, like I I say I like how like for the most part we kind of learn... What she's learning at the same time in terms of figuring out like her identity, I mean, yes, like I guess, as the audience, we know that yeah like it's example with Mr. Waldman, played by Brian Cox he's not uh, the bad guy and with uh, Mr. Perkins plot with the whole operation honeymoon thing so it, it's kind of nice that we get to learn what she's learning at the same time, because it kind of like keeps like the thriller aspect uh, of the film in check.
1: Yeah, I have to say, like, as I said, in my expectation, I was a bit worried on how they were going to follow that trope of losing memory. But I feel like in this movie, it was pretty well done because it was not like some kind of info dump right at the beginning. And then we just move on and forget that she lose her memory. It was really inherent to the movie and to the plot going on and it was like every discovery was like oh she lost her memory but you know it's still there it's from the beginning to the end it's not just a random thing to to start the movie with so I I felt like it was well done there Um, one particular scene that struck to mind is when she gets to um, the cottage or I don't know the farm and she meets Daedalus and she believes Mm -hmm. He's her ex-lover because she knows how he pees. <laughs> but it's just because she studied him to kill him, you know? So it, that was a good moment. I feel like the, the memory trope was well done in this movie. So I really enjoyed that.
0: Absolutely. Because it kind of like uh, brought me similarities to the, Bur- the Born identity with uh, Matt Damon as Jason Bourne because with that movie like he's trying to figure out like his past because he was uh, left for dead similar to charlie in this movie and it was kind of interesting like for both characters like like they don't really like know their abilities but like when like we see like you know certain clues like for example this film like the postcard like about luke or like the note from uh from Waldman or the rifle in her suitcase (laughs) like that's when like it sort of kind of like activates her skills as an assassin is kind of like interesting to see that throughout the film like for instance there's uh the scene like when she's uh chopping uh, vegetables in the kitchen with her daughter and boyfriend, it's hilarious like she says chefs do that <laughs> and, yeah. they, and they look very uh, concerned like when she um, throws a knife towards a tomato on the cover. So.
1: I, I really like that it became like a running gag because she kept saying that to the film like I think she said it again towards the end or something I just really enjoyed that. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say too, like with the, the car accident scene near the beginning, that's pretty much like her first attempt that we see like of her skills when she kills uh, the deer, because yeah. that was something like, I would say out of her character, because she seemed like the very nice, like typical, like housewife of a loving family and so forth. And
1: yeah. Although I, I do have to say, the cutting scene with the vegetables, (laughs) that's not how you cut a pepper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is absolutely not how you cut a pepper. I will argue on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's how she does it, so...
1: That's what chefs do, I exactly,
0: guess. exactly. You know, whatever works, works, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I suppose so. But yeah, it's something that we can call, we can talk about maybe a little further. But I really enjoyed the humor. But at the same time, it's kind of a self-conscious humor. Mm-hmm. Even with the special effect, I guess. Maybe not. Maybe it's just me, my interpretation in modern times. But, you know, I feel like they were self-conscious even with their special effect. So mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like it was really funny, but I'm not exactly sure if it was intended or not to be funny. So I, I have to say, like, I have kind of a confused opinion on this movie because of that i i don't take it seriously if i Mm -hmm. take it seriously as a movie it's not a great movie to me but if i look at it with you know just a light tone just you know i i'm expecting to laugh at it a little bit well Mm -hmm. then it's a good movie to watch just for fun and laughs you know but
0: yeah Mm -hmm. because i think that they're trying to go for more like Serious tone, like as an action thriller, but I think at the same time, like it kind of wants to be very like cheesy, like with uh, the dialogue and the storyline. So, yeah, maybe there's a bit of like like tonal like shifts throughout the film, which is kind of conflicting, but at least like for me, it's not like too.
1: Yeah, obvious. It, it, it's not too obvious. It's not mm-hmm. like a movie when you watch it, you're like, what the fuck am I watching? And it's just for laughs. But, you know, it, it's kind of in the middle. And that's also why I'm wondering and I'm kind of torn between, you know, the opinion of a serious movie and the opinion for like just for laughs movie. So, yeah, I'm just in between there. But I have to say, though, I really like the characterization of the characters. Yeah. Mostly, like you said, Samantha slash Charlie. Uh, we could see really... I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it, but at the same time, I feel like it's such a black or white depiction of feminism and how a woman should be. It's like either she's the kind housewife or she's like the blonde, I don't know, killer who smokes and sleeps with a strange man in a motel. You know, I'm like, there's... you know it's a movie you don't and and the main subject is not really feminism so yeah they didn't have necessarily this time on screen to explore what it is to be a woman and etc but i think they Mm -hmm. did a good try at trying to explore it but maybe it was too intense on both sides of you know the balance there um but i did enjoy how she kind of went back and forth between samantha's persona and charlie's persona and kind of try to find a middle ground then in the end you know she's not the same as before there was Mm -hmm. a change but she's trying so you know it's it's kind of really interesting to see the portrayal of woman through charlie that was a good point for me in the movie and then i have to say i I really like waldman too but you know he got killed pretty quickly (laughs) like when we saw him in the water, I was like, oh, fuck, seriously, that was like my main character for a second there. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And then I-, I have to say also the bad guy, Timothy. That, I-, I don't know, I feel like he was a bit comical in some way, but at the same time, I enjoyed it. So it was not like, I don't know. I, I like how he had some hesitation when he realized that Caitlin was his daughter.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: And I like how it didn't stop them.
0: Because Mm -hmm. I feel
1: like in real life, if you've never met your child, you don't consider this child your own. Yeah. It it wouldn't stop a mean guy to do mean things. It would just be like a slight hesitation exactly how it was portrayed with Timothy's character. I I found like in movies, this... I don't know, obsession with the bloodline is sometimes truly just ridiculous. So I really enjoyed that they didn't go towards that with Timothy's character. And there yeah. was just a slight confusion for a moment. That was also an interesting um, character point in the story.
0: Yeah, because he is quite charming, like as yeah. uh, the bad guy. Like he is like a henchman at the end of the day. So he is going to follow orders. But But yeah, I like how like in ways he he tries to use his uh, his charm to get like what he wants. Like, for example, like when he's like torturing the guy like at the abandoned uh, hangar and also to like when like with that train sequence, like when he's like flirting with Samantha at the bar Mm -hmm. realizes that, oh, that he does she doesn't completely like remember him. So. Yeah. yeah like he he's quite you know the charismatic uh bad guy in this yeah movie.
1: he he played the charmer and i i have to say he played it well like honestly i was good that was on point point. and like i have to say the first scene when we saw timothy that was i don't know kind of funny and hot at the same time i was really confused mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, for instance, yeah. And I have more thoughts like with that whole subplot with Operation Honeymoon because I had issues with that. I'll go in that next category, but yeah. but yeah, like for the most part, I think the bad guys were pretty convincing.
1: Yeah, I have to say like the 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 idea of like per, I think it was Perkins, right? This the mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So with Operation Honeymoon, what I like is like it was not, you know, the usual conspiracy of like oh i'm gonna try to kill the president to take his place or something like that it was like there was a little bit more thoughts into Mm -hmm. it so i have to say for that i want to give it credit yeah um it was not perfect you know it's still the same kind of you know 90s 2000 trope of thrillers where it's like you know um but it was still better than most movies in that trope to me so Mm -hmm. i kind of enjoyed it um and also um i i really enjoyed some quotes in this movie that felt kind of badass um oh
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: i remember at the end charlie was just looking at timothy the mean guy and she was like you're gonna die screaming and i'm gonna watch am i telling the truth
0: Mm -hmm. that was
1: mind-blowing because you know this is the thing with timothy he's always saying oh i can see if someone is lying i can see if someone is lying and then Mm -hmm. he knows she is not lying and she makes it happen that Mm -hmm. was a badass moment, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just, it, it felt nice to see that change in Charlie's character. Well, you know, Samantha slash Charlie, to see her suddenly being like more free with her speech, yes. being able to say, die, motherfucker, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a different vibe. Mm-hmm. um So, enjoy that. And there was one really sexual joke that I enjoyed. <laughs> So I will share it with you right now. Mm-hmm. So it's during the standoff at the end between Timothy and Charlie. And he takes oh, yeah, out yeah. a blade. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, Oh honey, only four inches. And he <laughs> responds, Oh, don't worry, you'll feel me. Yeah,
0: that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, and, I enjoyed
0: it. And she she, her, she certainly did. Yeah.
1: Oh absolutely. He died screaming, motherfucker.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I also yeah, loved, yeah, like to pick up out like the one liners, yeah, such as chefs do that, like when she's in the kitchen, or when she tells Caitlin, Life is pain, get oh, used no. to it. And then the daughter like repeats that to her like towards the end when she's like nearly dying at the truck. And I love how Timothy, like, when the, one of the henchmen tells him, oh, like, uh, Charlie pushed him out of the truck, I'm dying. And then he says, continue dying. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But, but I would say, like, my favorite one-liner is when Samuel Jackson says, you can't kill me, motherfuckers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. It, oh, it's yeah. always fun to see Samuel Jackson just coming out just, yo, I'm not bad. <laughs>
0: exactly yeah 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 so i kind of want to like go back to your point you were saying like about uh feminism because i don't think the goal of this movie was to explore that deeply but if the film was certainly made today for sure that was something they would uh go deep into maybe like some would be very like Anna knows about that over others but I think really the intention is they wanted to do like an action film similar to like what Stallone or Schwarzenegger would do but make it a female instead of a male because usually in those films they don't go too deep into like you know masculinity and all that stuff so I think really they just wanted to make a fun action film but with a female in the lead
1: yeah i think it was pretty much the goal and i think it was it was a goal that was reached um Mm -hmm. i think for the time it was really a breakthrough um at the same time i am often even in today's movie with you know trying to include more women on screen Mm -hmm. i often wonder how much we take male character and just you know, change the gender and forget about like the, the strength that are usually considered as weakness because they're female between you know it's it's you know i'm not expressing myself really well there but you know there there are some characteristics that are supposedly female and characteristic that are supposedly male and i feel like sometimes in those movies they just take a male change a gender and forget about you know the the entire conception and the, the struggles that as women we we go through and and find strength in those challenges and we just forget about them when we create a female a strong female character i feel like here it wasn't so bad but at the mm. same time i really feel like we decided oh Samantha was not strong so instead we we just put some guns put some knives and make her strong and here you go Mm -hmm. so i just feel like it was not perfect it was not you know most movies aren't but it it was not the worst i've seen um Mm -hmm. but that was okay for the time it was a breakthrough still
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would say, yeah, like as a female led action film, it's not afraid to be brutal, because you certainly see lots of the bruises and the injuries that she yeah. endures like throughout the film. And like, it's not afraid to be bloody. You see lots of the squibs, like when people get shot or get stabbed in this movie. So yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, that you know, the film is not afraid to go there, even though it has a woman as a lead.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it was well portrayed and, you know, it it could be a real woman. Maybe not 100%. I have to say the part with life is pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a bit too much for
0: me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get what, you know, they were trying to do, but, you know. It
1: was a bit ridiculous. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And... Like I want to talk a bit about Samuel Jackson's character because I like how like with Mitch he's trying so hard to not be a screw up because essentially he wants to improve his relationship with his son but yet he does some things such as um, when we first see his character he hires homeless people to pose as cops. (laughs)
1: Yeah yeah (laughs) he's trying hard but maybe not the right way.
0: Yeah. And also, too, there was a moment when he and Charlie were on the road. He spots a female jogger that he wants to flip, which almost causes him an accident. But
1: (laughs) yeah, I have to say, Mitch character, I feel like it's a good character. At the time, it must have been okay, But today, I feel like it's a character mostly for uh, it's not only Mitch. But in this movie, there was, you know, we'll talk more about it in the lowlights. But mm-hmm. th- there was a lot of tropes surrounding sexual harassment and like rape jokes and stuff like that and that I did not enjoy. But you know, when along with the times I kind of expected it. You know, a movie mm-hmm. before 2000, we're used to it, mm-hmm. old mentalities. But yeah, so I have to say like Mitch's character is a strong character. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if everything related to those, I don't know, um, sexual old dated views were really adding to the character i think it could have been done differently but showed still that kind of macho side without going too far but you know it was Mm -hmm. going with the times it was still a great character because you see he was really persistent determined he was really trying to push through really trying to improve himself and he was like self-conscious about his Mm flaws. he knew he was not a great pi and he was like Okay, I'm just following Charlie, hoping not to die. Come save me, please. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good.
0: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, he's not afraid to admit his flaws. Because I like that moment when he tries to rescue um, Caitlin, but kind of knows he's gonna get shot. Like, and he does get shot though multiple times, but luckily he survives at the end. Because I liked and he pushed how true. Yeah, yeah, for instance, yeah. And I liked how, like, you know, he was able to pull himself up, like, to rescue uh, Caitlyn and Charlie, like, uh, in the car, so.
1: Yeah, that that was really impressive. One thing that I thought when I saw that scene, though, was like, oh, he's just gonna jump into it, knowing that he has a son
0: at home mm-hmm. that
1: will never see his dad again. That's, yeah, That's kind of self-sacrificing. But at the same time, I understand because you know he's a father. He knows what it is to—he he knows the—the the fear of losing a child. So I think it's still into character to go for Caitlin to try to save her. But at the same time, I—I I was like, he's really not thinking about that. Just jumping into it, you dumbass. But
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it
1: mm-hmm. was it was a really good moment and he's like oh um i don't remember the exact lines but um he's talking with charlie on the radio and she's like you're not gonna survive dude mm-hmm. and he's like well isn't it your job to shoot at people just do your job <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty yeah, good yeah
0: yeah 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 that was fun and I guess it was nice too to see him on Larry King Live uh, at the end of the film. It was cute.
1: It was cute. (laughs) I I like how they they showed his family, like, just completely stunned. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was
1: a cute moment. It it was really, you know, both, I I feel though, those two characters evolved so much through the movie. Like, Um, Mitch just really improved as a person I, I, f- I feel like he's still gonna do some really bad stuff without realizing but you know it's his mm-hmm. character and mm-hmm. Charlie just really evolved too so I just feel like it's it's not like those movies were really static there was change there was movement so that's one of the strong suits of the film like really this idea of change and it's yeah it was well done there
0: Mm-hmm. But I would say, though, like, I kind of wish, though, like, they would have brought, like, his his ex-wife and son more into play. Like, for instance, like, maybe, like, with this job he has to do, like, with Charlie, like, it's probably, like, his last chance to redeem himself. And that it's, like, very important for him to, like, accomplish that goal to improve, yeah, like, his relationship with his family and so forth, but...
1: Agreed. Is I, is. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like on both sides, even with Charlie, I feel like there was not a lot of, you know, we never really understood, we saw a little bit of the relationship that she had with Al. Is it his name, Al? Yeah. Okay. Yeah so basically i feel like we didn't see much of a relationship with him and the same thing with mitch and his family we didn't see much interaction we saw one just to establish that they had a family and -hmm. then they disappear and reappear at the end of the movie and i was kind of disappointed in that i wanted to to see more of their family and like you know the longing because you see even when we have this switch between Samantha and charlie um when we really come to this like charlie is there a hundred percent with the time almost um mm-hmm. well she we see that she's still thinking about caitlin and she feels bad and like she she she's trying to push away the memory of her daughter she doesn't want to acknowledge her daughter but she never talks about al and she lived with him for eight years Yeah. And it's like he's not there, he doesn't exist. He's just like a male (laughs) stand-in,
0: you know? Pretty much, yeah.
1: (laughs) So there was that. And I mean as I said, like even in the scene where Mitch is trying to save Caitlin, it's the same thing. There's no hesitation. While I feel there would at least be a little moment where it would say, Oh, could you tell my son that I love him? I I feel like just a little line like that would have shown that he knows that he may die and that he may never see his son and his ex-wife again and i i just wanted a little hesitation there and there was none so like you said i feel like we could have seen more in the little lines little little details without showing the family like just show that they think about them mm-hmm. Um, a-
0: absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, there's that moment when she tries to seduce um, Mitch in the yep. hotel because he finds, like, that ripped uh, photo of her family because that shows that, yeah, that that she's trying to get rid of Samantha as, like, the, the family person. So I kind of like, yeah, she's trying to, like, struggle, like, um, to kind of, like, find, find herself because after yep. when she learns her previous life, like it seemed like she wants to go back to that old life, but she can't for obvious reasons. So I kind of like that struggle, I guess, within the film. It could have been yeah. done a bit better, but I like how it was there.
1: Yeah, I think it was really interesting to to see that struggle, as you said. It's also mm-hmm. between the concept of who she is as a woman, is she the, ice, the housewife or is she the assassin?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was really interesting to to look at that, you know, back and forth between who she is as a person. Yeah. Also, I have to say, um, it was really interesting to see how she was trying to push back that part of herself while trying to sleep with Mitch, because you know, if she slept with Mitch, she knew that she would have done something unforgivable and she couldn't go back, you know, in some sort of weird scheme in her mind. But at the same time, if you look at it, when she just came back to herself and, you know, she was sitting with Mitch and she she grabbed a bottle of alcohol and just, you know, started drinking, we we could see how, how unhappy she looked, like how mm-hmm. much it was weighing on her to, to go back to that lifestyle. And she was talking like, oh, I'm just going to go back to it. She's going to start working again. And she was drinking with doing that and she didn't look happy at all, you know. Um, I I feel like she felt stuck between her family that she chose unwillingly, well, not unwillingly, but unknowingly.
0: Yeah.
1: And then this life that is threatening her new lifestyle because she couldn't go back unless she knew it was safe. So there's this kind of underlying tone to her choice. Because, you know, it's all about layers, and I feel like even though sh- her character is screaming that she doesn't want to go back, I think she's mostly screaming, I can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Because yeah. she did mention, like, early in the film, like, it feels like I'm in a, a prison, like, with her trying to, like, figure out, like, herself and yeah all that stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: And just before she leaves caitlin she she says to her i have to go to make sure we're safe for something like she even spelled it out loud that she needs to figure out her past to protect her family now
0: yeah mm-hmm. so yeah Mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and like uh, to kind of like go on the flip side uh i do like the the appearances if you guys are familiar with the CSI franchise, like, the two actors, because you had Trin, that was Mitch's assistant, she's from CSI New York, and the man in bed, like, he's from CSI Miami, so I thought, like, for those that love CSI, like, that was a nice, you know, touch A little to that. wink. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> we always love those. Mm-hmm, for sure. <laughs> and... We
0: could go on, like to like the action scenes. I thought, yeah, they were like fun to watch. I would say my favorite was the train sequence because we see like Samantha, like she doesn't know like what to do, like but she kind of instantly reacts, like when she shoots like the fake uh, Mister Waldman, like with Mitch's gun, and then quickly um, shoots the glass window, like to escape the bomb, like uh, when they're at the third floor of the train station so yeah i thought that was fun
1: i i kind of enjoyed it at the same time i have to say it's not it's not like just this movie it's almost every action movie i always feel like okay they're shooting everywhere and Mm -hmm. they don't touch the main character of course they never do and they just you know they can run they can outrun fucking you know I, I i just every time i feel like it's ridiculous it's not just this movie it's every freaking action movie oh, yeah. but it's it's still fun to watch i guess you you don't mm-hmm. have to think too much so again it's to me it's like the the serious part of the movie or just you know watching it just for the laughs i feel like it's nice to watch but don't take it too seriously because you're gonna find flaws but at the same time i feel like it was not too much out of nowhere like the part mm-hmm. with the ice it could have been done like in a worse way yeah. um so i'm really happy like just before we get into the train station we clearly see a sign saying that the ice is thin and don't go like ice skating on it so yeah it it foreshadowed what could happen and i i really appreciate it because it, it brought credibility to what she was doing And it Mm -hmm. was not like, oh, I'm jumping out a window and I assume that what's under me is like ice. I don't know. I think it may be snow, but I'm just going to shoot it. You know, it was something more. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm going to give it credit.
1: It was Mm -hmm. fun. But yeah, the, you know, the balls are not, they're (laughs) faster than a human being. They're, you're going to get shot.
0: Yeah, and also it's funny like Mitch says, Oh, I have a bad feeling about this, like before he puts the gun in his pocket, because you always see that line in practically almost every action movie. Because yeah. usually when a character says that, it tends to happen. It's going down. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, it's going down.
0: <laughs> always is. For sure, for sure. Do you have a favorite action scene from the movie?
1: Hmm. I have to say it's I it's I think it's my favorite scene, but at the same time, I find it ridiculous. So, you know, when she's being waterboard, like in the water and like Mm -hmm. she just casually take out of hands from her her tie and she's just like, oh, I'm going to struggle and I'm going to take it out. And I'm just Mm like it was that easy sure sure whatever and then she just grabs you know like the gun that um woman had and she just shoots and then there's like this little moment where she unties herself and while she was untying her other arm i was just wondering okay so she's going to untie that and then she's just going to flop into the water because her feet are still tied Mm -hmm. but no we don't see how she unties her feet she just magically (laughs) appears next to timothy and i was just like oh no not next to timothy but next to dallas yeah luke yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: next to luke and i was just like oh but i wanted to see how she took off you know from her ankles how did she do it (laughs) anyway so it's not an action scene but it's an action scene i don't know i i had so many questions about her oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you can kind of believe it because we see her like untying like her hands, and it cuts to, you know, Luke lying on the floor. Then she yeah. like I guess gets up from the wheel, and I
1: I just wanted to see the awkwardness of it. I think that was my expectation. I just wanted to see her struggle and you no, know, just not yeah. trying not to drown in the water while trying to to get out of her ties. I don't know. I I i felt disappointed i wanted to see the awkwardness of it
0: yeah because like speaking of awkwardness i thought was quite hilarious that when she's in the water she gains all of her memory back
1: yeah yeah it's always (laughs) like that it's the cold water you know yeah I, i i also they said a line i don't remember it exactly just before but it was like oh in 10 minutes she's gonna like she's gonna be all right and i was like well no human being can survive under the water for 10 minutes you dumbass
0: yeah, yeah. i think he says yeah in 10 minutes she'll either be insane or dead
1: yeah yeah that mm-hmm. i don't know at first i was just like yeah no shit.
0: <laughs> yeah plus that water is cold because you see like you know yeah. her skin kind of deteriorating like because it's that cold so.
1: yeah i i i Yeah, no, I was not ready for the frozen bath. I didn't want to be there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. And I liked how like with the scene after that we see like, Mitch, he's kind of tied up naked, like with the with the lighting. I like how we only see his uh, POV when we hear like the gunfire happening off screen, because we are pretty much like scared, just like how Mitch is scared in that moment and don't know what to expect but then yeah obviously charlie comes to the rescue
1: exactly yeah i really like that although one thing in that scene that i had so many questions again i don't understand the fucking obsession in those movies to put women in like little garments i'm just like okay it's not even underwear at this point they decided to put on her a nightgown that yeah. is translucent i'm like okay if you put her in their underwear whatever i guess you could explain that it's like you don't want her to hide weapons in her clothes or mm-hmm. something of that sort but no they took the time to put a matching now gowns with her panties yeah just to put just to waterboard her you know it's like it's ridiculous again. Like, why? Just why? <laughs> you don't need a nightgown to drown. Yeah.
0: But again, though, like, that's probably something that Samantha wears, though, because at this point, like, you know, she, she's not very, like, um, like, she doesn't expose herself a lot with her clothing choices. So I guess it's not a surprise that she's wearing that. But if she's Charlie, though, she would definitely be showing more skin.
1: Well, I, I don't know. It's just I—I I felt like it was really just you know a nightgown that you wear to like a pajama. I was yeah. just like, it's you don't wear that under your clothes. You wear a bra. You wear panties. You don't wear a nightgown. Yeah. That's. That's what drew me off. I was like, okay, if you're trying to sexualize her in some way, mm-hmm. at least do it right. Like, come on. No nightgown. Yeah. Or just don't don't try to put something translucent just to put something translucent.
0: Yeah, or maybe like with the actress Gina Davis, maybe she wasn't that comfortable like showing yeah. a lot of skin. So it could be I, that as well.
1: Yeah, it could be that. I, I feel in that case, like... In that scenario anyway i feel like i never understand why they take time to put you naked i understand that it's to to make you feel inferior or something mm-hmm. but like i feel like they would just fucking tie you up and just check that you don't have weapons and whatever and then just mm-hmm. drown you they don't care about your clothes your clothes are gonna weigh you down it's even better mm-hmm. <laughs> you're gonna drown yeah, yeah. faster so i feel like I- i've never understood this obsession in movies to just put women in like panties and stuff to drown or to to torture or whatever It's Mm -hmm. I've never understood it but you know (laughs) it's with the times I guess too Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: and I like how like it's
0: kind of funny that the teddy bear that Caitlin has is I guess named after Mr. Perkins, Charlie's old boss so I thought it was quite hilarious Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: that was pretty funny
0: and like with that scene like when they're uh ice skating, it's funny like they show Mr. Perkins like off to the side watching and it's funny that Charlie says, Oh, like Mr. Perkins is watching. So.
1: Oh man, yeah. I didn't notice that, man. Oh, that's pretty good. I wanna rewatch it just to see that scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, too, I liked uh, the soundtrack. Cause it's essentially like mix of, uh, I guess, the '90s music and also too the Thorbuck songs, like from the '60s and '70s. I would say, like, with some of my favorite needle drops was um, the Santana song "She's Not There" when Samantha is transforming to Charlie. Yeah. hmm And I also liked. Um, A semi Sonic song FNT when Charlie Mitch are in the car. This was after Caitlin is kidnapped, and also too I like the score by Alan Silvestri.
1: I have to say, in this movie, I wasn't. um, It it wasn't a bad scoring. I, um, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. the music was all right, but it didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, struck me as in other movies. It wasn't something that made me say, "Oh, that's a big highlight." I enjoyed the music. It's it's a fine music, but it didn't struck to me as much as it could have. And I have to say, same thing for the cinematography. It was, you know, like the directing to the image was fine, but it was not, you know, a masterpiece. It was, you know, it was okay. Again, Mm -hmm. okay, good slash funny movie, but still not a masterpiece in my mind for that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, for for sure, for sure. And I would say, lastly, too, like, I enjoyed the chemistry between Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson. Oh,
1: yes, absolutely. That was... I I enjoyed it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, for sure. And is there anything else you want to add to this category that we haven't covered?
1: Mm, I think I am good.
0: I think so. All right, so let's go on to the low-light section. So, for me, my... I consider the weakest aspect of the film is the whole operation honeymoon subplot because we see that it's first mentioned when Timothy tortures a guy at the hangar. And then we learn that apparently Perkins wants to stage like a terrorist attack via chemical bomb to get funding from Congress. (laughs) And then apparently. Perkins he wants Charlie dead because she knows about operation honeymoon but again I'm wondering does she actually know about this plot that's why like I figured that whole plot for me was convoluted
1: yeah I have to say like honestly I after one hour I thought the movie was done and then I realized oh no there's still an hour left what are they gonna talk about and suddenly it was all about honeymoon and I was like all right I guess um Why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I just got confused on the pacing there.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, it was weird that apparently, like, with Timothy and Luke, I guess they were former targets, but then now, like, they work for Perkins. I thought that was
1: Yeah, that was not believable. Like, he said, oh, we don't have money, so now I hire, you know, the bad guys because they cost less. But I'm like, well, no, that doesn't make sense you would hire like less skilled people maybe but you would not hire the bad guys because your job is to arrest the bad guys so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how does that make sense um yeah yeah, that was not believable
0: yeah because probably with that like they want to show that perkins he is corrupt as a member of the cia but it just ultimately didn't work for me because honestly i'd rather have it focus on perkins wanting to kill charlie because she didn't do her job so
1: yeah that was yeah i think it was there was something that didn't work in that storyline it was just too there was really two chunks to the movie the first part the second part and in between the connection was kind of messy yeah
0: for sure for sure Mm -hmm. and And
1: yeah go ahead go ahead no no
0: okay i was gonna go on to another point like i thought with the bad guys they're very loud and obvious with their actions like for instance with that whole train sequence like a lot of innocent people got killed (laughs) when they're trying to go after the targets
1: (laughs) the bullets got everyone but charlie and mitch everyone i'm telling you
0: yeah 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 and like also too like timothy kidnaps caitlin in the middle of a day at a church in front of witnesses and And her
1: dad just well her dad her adoptive dad just doesn't notice at all he's not looking he he's not even telling people that she got abducted that they just don't talk about it a kid disappeared we don't talk about it you know it's crazy
0: yeah, and like also too with that sequence when Charlie is pursuing the bad guys while skating as and Mitch oh, is trying was... to drive. Because oh. I imagine like because it's a small town, like wouldn't a lot of people notice that it's a suburban town? like Yeah,
1: okay, first of all yes um <laughs> first of all there's like the shooting at her house and suddenly like i don't know a week or two later suddenly there's like a car chase in the middle of the town it would be a fucking mess some um, people yeah. would be really shocked um and second of all okay i feel like the the, the, the team that made this movie didn't understand how long it is to put high skates on like charlie can put her ice skates on tie them up Start skating, get to the bad guys, before them in a the car. Mm-hmm. And just it doesn't make sense. She's yes. not superhuman. It's not because you turn a woman into an assassin and say she has like a lot of strength that suddenly she's gonna be like I don't know the flash. She she's not the flash, okay? She she's <laughs> a human being. Putting on fucking ice skates take at least 10 minutes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Even
1: for someone skilled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like that was like hilarious, but again, it's a movie so suspension of disbelief. <laughs>
1: That's again, it's all I'll say. <laughs> like I said, if you take it as a serious movie, you're going to look at that and you're going to be thrown off. But if yeah. you look at it it's just okay, I'm going to laugh and it's fine. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's enjoyable to watch, but you you you, you will find a lot of parts in the movie to mm-hmm. be really ridiculous.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Speaking of ridiculous, I thought with some of the scenes are very representing of the 90s. Like, for instance, I would say the opening titles where it has like that montage of images of like Charlie, like right the handwriting and like the pictures of her family yeah. while you have like intense music in the background. I thought like that was quite hilarious because. And then it cuts to like Elvis Presley Christmas music playing during like a a parade, which <laughs> I thought the transition yes. was so ridiculous because it kind of reminds me of this movie uh, Ricochet, which I covered uh, previously in the podcast because that one also has these cheesy titles like with intense music, then cuts to something very light with Denzel, like playing basketball with ice tea and like also to another film, Passenger 57, where we see the same thing, intense music with images of uh, the bad guy.
1: <laughs> so yeah. I thought
0: like, I don't know, it's probably like a very 90s thing to do at the time to open a film that way.
1: I I think it's not just a 90s thing. I think it's like a um, series thriller kind Mm -hmm. of vibe it's always like it starts with the pictures and like a suspicious music and we know it's gonna be like a big mystery Mm -hmm. (laughs) i feel Mm -hmm. like it's it's laughable how much it's predictable there
0: oh yeah for sure and i thought like the dream sequences of uh, samantha and charlie they look very Cheesy with the effects and the angles that they used.
1: Yes, (laughs) really cheesy. Yeah. Um, I have to say, there are so many moments where I was just laughing, but I don't think I was supposed to be laughing. I think it was really serious. Like, okay, the scene where Samantha is looking into a mirror on top of a cliff in a Mm -hmm. storm and Mm -hmm. she sees Charlie and mm-hmm. they 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 talk to each other i don't know i really felt like it was harry potter and the the deep stone i don't remember the name of the movie but it was just fucking ridiculous <laughs> i was like okay don't show me Voldemort, please yeah it's uh, why <laughs> just why
0: yeah, yeah or maybe harry potter like got it off from this movie
1: pretty possible if you think about it i don't know like it was ridiculous (laughs) completely utterly ridiculous yeah yeah made me laugh Mm -hmm. um there were a few moments like that like even like like i said when she was cutting the vegetable i felt like that's not how people cut vegetable that's not how people would react to someone cutting vegetable that way just you know rummaging through the fridge to find something to cut it's like Mm -hmm. How? Why are you so enthusiastic? She just yeah. cutting vegetables. Well, she got better, but it's strange, strange and ridiculous. And then, um, you remember when um, Mitch was tied up mm-hmm. on a chair for oh, 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 basically when Charlie had to save him for a second time. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's in that freezer and she makes it explode and. Mm-hmm i'm just like well first of all if the explosion is that big um a freezer is not you know a tank it would yeah. probably have blown her and their daughter off too yeah but let's mm-hmm. put that like in the back of our mind and forget about it it's a mm-hmm. movie whatever mm-hmm. um mitch would not have been thrown out the window that way um <laughs> it just doesn't make sense he went through a fucking advertisement and he's left on scratch he's all good ready to fight he just yeah came up from a tree like level building no worries all good yeah. the, ch- the chair is broken but no bones broken all yeah. right let's. Yeah. that was ridiculous yeah. and like really flying in the air like the special effect there <laughs> oh boy oh boy i felt in the 90s yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah like you did have some bruises i think like after getting thrown out of the hotel just bruises yeah. that's
1: my point yeah <laughs> how does that make sense i make a bruise just standing up from a chair yeah. like how yeah how does he fall from a tree level fucking building and only has bruises it's crazy um (laughs) and it's also like why is he the only one that is thrown at the window like all the bad guys die in the explosion but mid just miraculously being just you know thrown in the air he's the only survivor yeah
0: well timothy survives timothy survives yeah that
1: is true that is true (laughs) you are right Mm-hmm. He is not thrown out a window, though. Yeah,
0: but it looks like he was thrown, I guess, at the other side of the building. But do you
1: think it was as utterly ridiculous? Like, did he go through an, ad- an advertisement and then I don't know, like another house and through it and then through windows and then he fell on the ground <laughs> with no scratch? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. This...
0: Yeah, because honestly, like realistic, realistically, all of them would be dead. So Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's my point. And then okay, that part in the freezer. Suddenly <laughs> Caitlin just getting out of her casts and matches.
0: Well, she did, like, if you remember earlier... Yeah, she did explain
1: it. She did explain it. But at the same time, I was just like, is this a magic trick she's going to get out of love and, like, you know, some scarves and stuff and just going to start the magic trick? It was just like, seriously, that's how you're going to solve it? (laughs) All right. All right. It's the magic cast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny that, like, Charlie realizes that the the doll that Perkins gives Caitlyn has gasoline in it. how are you you supposed to tell that from from the doll i
1: don't think i don't think she knew there was gasoline in it i think she looked at the doll and purposefully put gasoline into it although i don't understand how she did it without being seen by the villain Mm Um but no, I think that was like th- you know there was like a weird cut between she look at the doll and then she's like standing in front of Timothy or I don't remember. Yeah. But I think it was supposed to imply that she put some gasoline in the doll in some kind of foreshadowing that she knew she would need it. But I don't fucking know it felt really forced.
0: I don't I don't think so because like no. cuz we see that like she looks at the doll weirdly like when you have the bad guys pointing the guns towards her and they say oh I smell gasoline and I have a bunch of matches and then like she kind of weirdly stares at the doll so I'm thinking at that point she realizes there's gasoline like in the the doll Hmm. because it, it wouldn't make sense like for Charlie to put gasoline in the doll for her to escape with Caitlin.
1: Well, I don't understand how gasoline could have gotten inside the doll anyway. Both are utterly ridiculous. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> you know, it was just oh we're we're gonna leave it there because you know, it's it's an action movie. They had to find a way to make her get out of a freezer, but still it was uh, yeah. kind of out of nowhere. So many little things that were like how could you predict that? How could you? How could you fucking? It it doesn't make sense. It yeah, really it, um, it felt like a kids' movie on that. It's like yeah. everything is perfect to make it happen.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure maybe someone in the YouTube sphere maybe like analyze those scenes and probably detect that yeah this is not realistic. Again, I don't know, but I'm sure someone will overanalyze those yes, moments. Yes, I.
1: I do. I really do. I mm-hmm. I really judge those moments.
0: <laughs> mhm, for sure, for sure. And mm-hmm. also to want to point out that like with the helicopter shot, the shot at the end with Samantha and like her family at the farm, like how you, you see them like kind of like fade, like doing a pan and then like you know pulling a bag with the credits rolling. I feel like that's very like. 90s shot though like it kind of reminded me of uh this film virtuosity with denzel washington where like after when he destroys the chip from uh russell crowe's character you see like the helicopter shot of him like standing on top of the building as like credits roll so i thought yeah that's very representing of the 90s because i rarely see that shot done today
1: yeah it's I i feel like it's mostly from the 90s yeah I don't Mm -hmm. see it that often in new movies I feel like it's it's really the culture at the time Mm -hmm. um I also you know that scene the last scene I kind of enjoyed the same time it was you know a bit ridiculous again with the knife and you know just killing a bug with it but you know it was funny um (laughs) it's a good way to end things um oh yeah yeah it was you know um Kind of okay. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Although, uh, one of my main, main lowlights for this movie, I, I talked a little bit about it briefly before, but um, <laughs> it was mostly everything related to sexual harassment and rape yeah. jokes. That was a big, big no-no for me, but you know. If we look at the context of the time it was common in movies that's also why I said I expected it because it's a before 2000 movie usually Mm -hmm. it's that way, Um, so if we look at the context at the time it was acceptable, although if we were talking about rediscovering this movie today Mm -hmm. it's an issue. Um, So for me i'd say first of all we see it at first during the accident scene with the deer we mm-hmm. see like the old guy that i don't care his name just <laughs> groping out yeah. of nowhere uh samantha and it's just like sure she's driving you home you're just gonna grope her you yeah. fucking pervert
0: well he's drunk
1: he is strong but yeah. i have to say but, mm-hmm. why did it have to be added if there was a deer that was already enough to have an ex- accident you don't need mm-hmm. to add the sexual harassment she could have yeah. the ex- accident without anything else happening
0: mm-hmm. like
1: there was a deer on the road that's enough to have an accident it happens multiple times a day in canada and in the us it would have been believable without this that that's my main point i feel like sometimes these tropes were added just for the sake of being added, because they already had an explanation for the accident. The accident happened because of the deer. Mm -hmm. It didn't need to be something else. It didn't need to be sexual harassment again. So if you didn't put the deer, Mm -hmm. all right, she she crashed in a tree because she was distracted because he was groping her. All right, this is inside the plot. But yeah. here it's not there was a deer the deer is the accident not the sexual harassment so why was it there <laughs> again yeah. so that was one of the first one that i noticed and mm-hmm. then um i don't remember exactly at which point of the movie but um basically it was when uh, Samantha started becoming charlie and she's it, it was right after her argument with Mitch about sleeping together She's walking mm-hmm. in the street and there's this random guy who's, you know, kind of flirting with her, catcalling her, I don't know how to describe it, and she pushed him away and he doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't get the point. And then she's like, I'm saving myself till I get raped. <laughs> ah Yeah, yeah yeah I guess it's a way to I think what was tried to be done there was to give back the power to women to Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm trying to to find a reason it's just yeah it's not as uh, I don't know as a woman I would never say that it's not I I feel like it's just a bad line there I don't enjoy it I don't feel it's badass I just feel it's kind of awkward and i I, in a situation where a weirdo is approaching you no one would say that
0: yeah because i think she's she's trying to be satirical here
1: yes but i guess but at the same time i don't feel like i i felt like it was just trying to be badass but didn't it's on the target it was just it it, to me it felt awkward and it continued into that trope of You know instead of just she she was already badass she was already like you know turning him away and just continue walking it was just like a line trying to be powerful even if it was not needed and it was not really on the point um yeah but yeah so there was that and then you already Mm -hmm. mentioned that but there was also this line with mitch um stopping to look at the jogger and almost getting into an accident Mm -hmm. Yeah, i feel like it was an interesting part of the character to show that um because you know he's really macho it's it's in the character
0: yeah
1: so this one i can argue that okay maybe but i have to say it's kind of overkill yeah we we could have seen him just look and charlie could have still commented on what he did um, he didn't need to, you know, almost do an accident, Cat caller, you know, keep looking and say, oh, that ass, you know, that was a bit like overkill. It was uh, a bit much. But I yeah. do understand in the context with the character, this one is kind of, it can't slip off it can be explained in some way maybe
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: Um. so there was that and then if you look later we see like this advertisement on TV I think it was later or earlier I don't remember Um. but Mitch is looking at the TV and on the TV we hear like uh, two guys talking and one says what do I need a cat for I got a girl and the other one responds yeah pussies is pussy <laughs> that is you know it's kind of funny but at the same time it's just like what the heck man why are you saying that it's just out of nowhere (laughs) we don't need that for the movie to move forward it's just random fucking uh yeah so that got on my nerve um (laughs) so i think that was all the kind of sexism that i noticed i looking yeah. at notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was most of it. These were the most blatant one. I, we have to say, again, movie before 2000, we have to expect it here. But mm-hmm. yeah, those were the ones that really kind of throw me out of the movie because I just felt like, oh, that wasn't needed. We could have done mm-hmm. it differently. It, yeah. it could have still been there, but differently. And it would have been more acceptable or more, you know, less... Mm-hmm over the top uh you know Mm -hmm. but yeah and and then i have to say like a a moment that made me not into the sexual harassment trope or whatever um that just made me you know cringe a little bit was the part on the ice skating rink between caitlin and charlie
0: Mm. yeah
1: um life is pain (laughs) oh man (laughs) yeah
0: i think like she just wants like you know the daughter to like toughen out and always complaining so i kind of get that point maybe could have been delivered better but
1: i i feel like it could have been delivered better but it was really funny i have to say again it's with this kind of I'm in this torn view. If I look at it seriously, I'm like, oh, it could have been delivered better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a bit too over the top. The line in itself, blah, blah, blah. But then if I look at it from just a comical standpoint, just saying, oh, I don't care. It's a light movie. I'm just watching it for fun. I'm not looking at all the little things that don't work. Yeah. Then it's fucking hilarious. Life is big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... It was yeah, pretty good. At the yeah. same time, pretty what the fuck. But you know, we're living with it.
0: <laughs> mm hmm. For sure. For sure. Mm hmm. And I want to like point out that like there was a moment before like Charlie goes to rescue Caitlyn. She kisses Mitch, which I felt like that was off though because before that she tried to seduce him and he rejected her. But then they decided to like share like a i wouldn't say a passionate but
1: a chest kiss yeah yeah i don't know how to pronounce that something like that (laughs) something i thought
0: i thought like yeah that moment it was not earned like they could have just you know say what they need to say and then move on without the kiss
1: i feel like. If we try to explain where that kiss came from, we could say that it was the fear of dying, Um, Charlie thought that, okay, I'm gonna try if I die, you're gonna take my daughter out of here or something. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I agree with you, it was not really earned, I feel like just taking each other's hand and you know pressing a little bit could have been enough the kiss may have been too much but again this movie was trying to sexualize their relationship in some way like even when we saw like charlie in the shower and it was not the necessary moment in the movie but it was just you know to show a woman's silhouette and then the same thing we 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 got like when she's trying to sexualize a relationship there it was fine we we there's an explanation but that kiss was just i agree with you it was not earned it was not really necessary i do understand what they were trying to do but again didn't hit the target as it should have um mm-hmm. and in that same scene one thing that struck to me is how easily she found her daughter like yeah um, i was gonna
0: point that out yeah (laughs) yeah
1: like there's a candle in the window i will look i'm sure my daughter's gonna be there and suddenly there's two doors the windows are open the curtains are not drawn there is no guard well i mean it was kind of a trap so i understand i don't understand how they believed how how they made out that she would find them yeah. let's just assume that they thought she was super woman that that she would find them because she's the best assassin they ever had whatever let's assume yeah. that but you know it was just too easy and too quick and too like oh i get in i get out here you go i'm good
0: yeah plus didn't they agree to do like an exchange before that because exactly. if you remember when she exactly. was at the phone company with mitch they say yeah like was do a trade like you for the girl but then when she arrives there I guess that's never brought up though
1: yeah they never talk about it again it was supposed to be like in a few hours or somewhere else yeah. or something like that but yeah. no no it's just like oh we're gonna do a trade two seconds later never mind we did a trap like, yeah it came out of nowhere I was just like okay sure let's continue I need to watch the rest of this movie. I need to understand what's going on. So let's
0: Yeah.
1: Fast through that. Yeah.
0: Cuz <laughs> I get cuz I get like they're trying to like have a reason for her to like get there, but it's just the way they went about it, it just did not make sense.
1: It did not. I I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. I have to say the second half of this movie the plot didn't make sense most of the time
0: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so
0: was there anything else you want to add for this category
1: Mm, i'd say that mostly it um the the sexual harassment did it for me and then the ridiculous little bits here and there were kind of okay but it depends of how you see the movie depends Mm. on the goal when you're watching this movie if you just want to be entertained and you know just watching something in the background or if you're really looking at it seriously this is not a masterpiece but it's it can be funny
0: Mm-hmm, for sure mm-hmm. so we could go on to uh trivia or so essentially fun facts about the movie there's a lot of it in this movie so i'm only going to do a select few just for the sake of time so so the first one i want to bring up is that so shane black who is the screenwriter for this movie he sold the script Uh, with the intention of Rennie Harlan directing it and Gina Davis starring in it. Harlan then told him that he and Davis were contractually bound to make Cutthroat Island first, which came out a year prior. But that movie became apparently one of the biggest box office bombs of the decade. And then Shane Black later stated that this may have caused a bad advertisement that worked against this movie as well.
1: Really? Hmm. Mm -hmm. how the movie politics affect everything
0: yeah for sure I think like you know there's probably various reasons in why this movie didn't do well at the time but I don't know if it's because of their prior film but it could be one of the factors
1: makes sense Mm -hmm.
0: and another point I'll bring out is that apparently Mitch he's supposed to die like apparently in the first draft of the script and the test audience they didn't like the ending so that was reshot
1: oh well I I guess they just changed Waldman and Mitch they added the character of Waldman just to kill someone in the first half and keep Mitch I guess it would make Probably. sense I, Probably. I felt like Waldman's character was like for maybe there for 10 minutes I, I was like really I wanted him to be there more I, I felt like it was a character development that was there for nothing because he was killed off so early. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel if Mitch had been killed in the first half, that movie would have been way worse.
0: mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, that kind of brings up a point, because I was going to bring this up, that I wonder, though, like, what's, like, the deal with Waldman's character? Like, what was his, we get that he knew Charlie, but I just wonder what was his role? Like, was he, like, her handler, or was he, like, a mentor?
1: well what he said is that he trained her and that he was friend with her adoptive dad which we never talk again in that movie yeah um but you know it was like you said really vague um i would have liked to know more of his relationship to perkins and why um Mm -hmm. perkins had him bug and he was not working anymore for some reason Yeah,
0: yeah it was a
1: lot of vague concept around Waldman so uh, with what you just said with the trivia my hypothesis is that he was just added to be killed off instead of Mitch.
0: Probably yeah like or maybe he's supposed to serve as some sort of like mentor or father figure type role but yeah like his character could have been more developed for sure.
1: Yeah and kept alive a bit longer.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another point I'll say is that apparently the plot was loosely inspired by The Bourne Identity with the novel that came out in the 80s, which later, of course, went and developed into a movie of Matt Damon that came out in 2002, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary. So check it out if you guys haven't. But
1: yeah. I will have to check it out.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like what you think, though, like, like, like I pointed out earlier, like, there were some similarities between her character and uh, Jason Bourne in terms of the whole amnesia aspect.
1: Well, that's interesting. I'm really mm-hmm. gonna have to check it out. Mm hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: And another point is that apparently uh, New Line Cinema, who, uh, of course, uh, distributed this movie, which is owned by Warner Brothers, so they considered turning the lead character into a male. So Steven Seagal... Of course they
1: did. (laughs)
0: Yep. So apparently Steven Seagal and Sly Stallone were considered as suitable choices if the the lead had gone that way.
1: I mean, if they wanted to go with that, it should have been a gay... Uh, a, a gay movie, and it should have been a gay family. Then I would go with it. <laughs> Fine, let's do it. A man housewife. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't think that would have.
1: Yeah, I know. Applied
0: at the time, but. <laughs> but
1: you know, you know, if they went with it, all yeah. right, go all in. Don't oh, yeah. go halfway.
0: Oh yeah, like they could do it now, but.
1: Exactly, I mean if they wanna do a remake, this is this is my proposal. Do it gay. <laughs> All gay. <Yeah. laughs> Longest good night but gay version.
0: Yeah, for sure. So apparently like this film and Cutthroat Island were attempts by Renny Harland and his then wife Tina Davis to not only further her career but to generate more public interest in female action stars
1: well that's great that's what we want we want more female action stars please yes please
0: Mm -hmm, for sure because i'm not sure if this is like the film but it's certainly like one of like the films i would say that helped to inspire more female-led action movies
1: i don't know where or well i would say more when It started to turn and when we started to have more women in action movies Mm -hmm. um, because you know there's this whole thing where usually women on screen aren't there just to complement a male character or complement a relationship needed for the male character so I sometimes really wonder where that shift happens and I feel like it's kind of what you explore with those rediscovered movies too because you're looking at movies from every era to really mm-hmm. see where that shift happened to which is quite interesting
0: mm-hmm, for sure I would say like for me I think like with uh, Tomb Raider with the first one with Angelina Jolie at least for me was kind of like groundbreaking to see because I first saw that movie in theaters at the time and I thought yeah like it was cool to see like you know a, f- a female like as a lead in the action movie and of course that movie did very well at the time at the box obviously that inspired like a sequel and a reboot, which is not good. But
1: you know, yeah. reboots are never great, but yeah, they make money. I guess it means the first one was okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Cause certainly like the earlier films, like in terms of like the female led stuff for the most part, they're not perfect movies, but I would say they helped kind of pave the way for future movies with women as leads.
1: Absolutely, I think it's it's always about paving the way, and it's gonna get easier and easier and easier as it goes.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure, and a final note, they'll say that uh, Samuel Jackson he did an interview with uh, Fallon uh, back in 2019, and he listed Mitch as his favorite role to play.
1: Well, I feel like it was a fun character, like just. Exactly, like you. This scene you talked about, when he just like, "You can't kill me, motherfuckers," <laughs> you know, that is a good way to see Mitch. It's a good way to remember. I'm persistent, determined, and unkillable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a three-story building without a scratch. You know, he's really invincible. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. I bet though people are surprised that he listed that one as his favorite because I'm sure that like people would automatically assume either his role in Pulp Fiction yep. or maybe uh, Mace Windu in Star Wars. But but yeah, like I would say like Mitch, yeah, like it's an interesting choice. Like I get, yeah, like he has fun like with this role and it gives him something more to do, but... Hey. I guess he
1: liked the the comedy of it, and the mm-hmm. ridiculousness of some scenes, probably. hmm mm-hmm.
0: for sure, for sure. So, all right, so we always leave off with this question. Should this movie be rediscovered? So, Corinne?
1: Um... I'm gonna have to say no mostly because of the sexual harassment tropes and etc um but it, it's kind of vague I I have to say it's rediscovered if you want a good for laughs movie yes but if you're looking for something serious nah
0: <laughs> okay so I'm on the opposite I'm I'm gonna say yes though like it's obviously not the perfect movie but i would say like it works for me for the most part because i liked how with the mix of the humor and the dramatic elements like it's kind of self-aware like it knows what it wants to do and achieve and all that stuff i love the setup of like the mystery in terms of her trying to figure out like who she is maybe like the end result is kind of disappointing but i love like the journey from beginning to end Of course, the performances from the cast, I would say especially Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson, they have great chemistry, because honestly, without that, the film would certainly fall apart if they didn't have any chemistry. And the soundtrack is good. Like It's not, I would say, high up there in terms of movie soundtracks, but I like it has some needle drops for sure. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the podcast. So... Corinne, uh, where can people follow you?
1: Um, people can follow me on Instagram. You can find me at coco vo thirteen. Um, and yeah, hopefully, I will have new projects soon. I am working on a few pieces, and we'll see what happens. But you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the artist life.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So. You could follow myself on Twitter and Instagram at Namfie Malloy. You could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RDMoviespod. And you can use the hashtag RDMoviespod. You can answer the featured question on Spotify. You could like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform that's available. You could submit questions, comments, and suggestions by email, which is rediscoveredmovies at gmail.com or you could leave a short voice message on anchor.fm slash You could do those by September 15th to be considered for the season two after show which will I believe will come out on September nineteenth. If you guys are listening to this after that date, don't worry, you could always submit all those stuff uh, afterwards so thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast so Corinne any final notes you want to say um keep listening guys <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure so until next time everyone